Greetings, listeners of the Latin Prayer Podcast. My name is Dylan Drago, and welcome back for another episode. We have come to the end of the season of Lent, and we have stepped into the shortest liturgical season of the Catholic Church, which is the season of Triduum. Today is Holy Thursday, Maundy Thursday, or Mandatum Thursday, for those of you that don't know. Maundy comes from the Latin word mandatum, meaning command. According to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 13, verse 34, our Lord said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today we will be looking at the Triduum, and I'm going to be giving you my family's customs and traditions throughout this small season and leading into the season of Easter. But before we do that, I want to first extend my thanks to all of you who are listening to the podcast, especially those of you who are praying the rosary daily. Don't forget to check the show notes for the daily rosary links. Please share this podcast with your friends and family. Remember, Pope St. Pius X once said that if there were one million families praying the rosary every day, the entire world would be saved. If you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, or iTunes, Please hit the like button and leave a comment to show your support because it's the engagement that helps the podcast grow. If you've got any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please do not hesitate to reach out to me via email at latinprayerpodcast at gmail.com. I value your input. I value your emails because I want to give content to you that is valuable to you. And lastly, if you would like to support this podcast further, please consider becoming a subscriber on my Patreon page. With a minimum monthly donation of only $1 or $2, you can help me continue to create meaningful content for you. Before we end today's episode, we will pray for our wonderful patrons, their families, and their intentions. So let's begin. Now the first custom I want to talk about is Tenebrae. This is a custom that most Novus Ordo attending Catholics, who are just discovering the traditional Latin Mass, may not be familiar with. The Tenebrae service actually means shadows. And it is the matins and the lauds of the divine office that's prayed during the sacred triduum. It's essentially a funeral service for our Lord Jesus. On Good Friday, the matins, the church gradually extinguishes 15 candles one by one, leaving the entire congregation in complete darkness. And then finally, at the end, the silence is punctuated by the strepitus, which is a clattering, banging sound. It's meant to invoke this convulsion of nature at the death of Christ. It's also been described as the sound of the tomb door closing, adding to this eerie atmosphere. During the Triduum, the Matins and Lauds readings are drawn from the following day's readings each night. This adjustment was made to better involve the public in these three exceptionally beautiful days. To clarify, the Matins and Lauds readings in Spy Wednesday's Tenebrae service are from Maundy Thursday. The readings from Maundy Thursday's Tenebrae service are from Good Friday's, and Good Friday's readings are from Holy Saturday's Divine Office. Now, if you've never been, it is a beautiful thing to attend and to witness. The Church, in her infinite wisdom, and of course our Lord Jesus Christ, understands the human need for these tangible sights and sounds to draw us even more closely into the divine life. We need to experience these things to pull us out of our everyday life into the supernatural life. And so if you've never been, 
it is worth attending. Wake up early to get to a Tenebrae for either Good Friday or Holy Saturday, as today is already Maundy Thursday. Now, as most of you know, I'm a husband and father. I have four little children, and my wife and I often discuss the Triduum. When we were newlywed, it was easy for us to attend everything that went on during the Sacred Triduum. But if you are in the throes of family life, you know that sometimes you need to pass the baton, so to speak. Because this is a change of season that is so short in the liturgical year, to be quickly followed by Easter, it doesn't really make sense for us to change our entire house just for this one season. What we would do instead is prepare for the coming Easter. And the way that we would make the Triduum distinct and special often revolves around our prayer time and our meals. On Holy Thursday specifically, we draw the attention of our children to specific passages in Scripture. This is a no-brainer. It's very easy to do. You can pull from St. John's Gospel about the Last Supper. You can talk about the washing of feet, and you can have this beautiful custom in the home, which we do where the Father, in imitation of our Lord Jesus Christ, kneels down and washes the feet of his children. He washes the feet of his spouse. You can go into great detail around the fourth cup, that how during the Passover there were four cups of wine that needed to be drunk, but our Lord only drank three of them, and then they went to the Mount of Olives, and he would not drink of the fourth cup until he was on the cross which is when he said those final words, it is consummated, which is how he put himself as the lamb that was to be slain. His blood was spilt instead of the lamb. How he instituted the Eucharist for our nourishment. You can go into great detail just by reading scripture and dropping these little seeds into the minds of your children. If you are looking for a great resource on where to discover all of these neat little tidbits, there's a talk given by Dr. Brant Petrie, which is called The Fourth Cup and the New Passover, where he goes through how our Lord united the Last Supper to the crucifixion, how the Mass is not just a meal, but specifically a sacrifice, in fact, he goes through a lot. He talks about what the Passover was like at the time of Jesus. Why did Peter and John go to prepare the Passover? Why were the Passover lambs crucified in the shape of a cross? Why there were four cups of wine required? How the stages of the Passover order correspond to the order of the Mass? What psalms did they sing during the Last Supper? And how they reveal the mystery of the Passion? And when, of course, our Lord drank the fourth cup. So you can get all of this just by looking up Dr. Brant Petrie. His talk is called The Fourth Cup and the New Passover. I believe it's about an hour long. I think you can get it as an mp3 download. It is totally worth the listen. This is something fantastic to be able to go through with your family. In the not-so-recent past, my family and friends would often have a Seder meal on Holy Thursday. But if I recall several years ago, Pope Benedict XVI, God rest his soul, put out a request that Catholics would stop celebrating Seder meals because apparently the Jewish people find it extremely disrespectful when other people appropriate that tradition. So my family doesn't do the Seder meal anymore. However, we would still have lamb as the main meal for that evening. This year, however, we're not going to be doing that because it is too difficult or too expensive sometimes to prepare lamb twice. We will be having lamb on Easter Sunday. I'm going to be roasting an entire leg of lamb with rosemary and garlic and butter, and it's going to be awesome. 
The other main thing is that we want to take our children to the evening mass on Holy Thursday, and it's too difficult to do both in one night, to have a big dinner and to get people to mass. My oldest son, Max, last year, for the first time, attended a Holy Thursday mass. The mass is beautiful. In fact, it's beyond beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful masses that you will ever attend. It's interesting to note that at this evening mass, after the bells ring during the Gloria, they are rung no more until the Easter vigil, and instead, a wooden clapper called the crolatus is used. Parents often used to explain this to their children by saying that all the bells fly to Rome after the Gloria of the Mass on Maundy Thursday to visit the popes. Children are also told that the bells sleep on the roof of St. Peter's Basilica, and they start their flight home at the Gloria at the Easter vigil, bringing with them Easter eggs for the following day. In some parishes, the washing of feet is done after the homily, which is a rite performed by Christ upon his disciples to prepare them for the priesthood and the marriage banquet that they will offer, which of course is rooted in the Old Testament practice of foot washing in preparation for the marital embrace, and there's ritual ablutions performed by the high priest of the Old Covenant. So the priest girds himself with a cloth and washes the feet of twelve men that he has chosen to represent the apostles for this ceremony. Now, after the Mass of Maundy Thursday, the priest takes off his chasuble and vests in a white cope. He returns to the altar, he incenses the sacred hosts in the ciborium, and then, preceded by the crucifer and the torchbearers, carries the ciborium to the altar of repose, also called the Holy Sepulchre, where it will remain entombed until the Mass of the priest sanctified on Good Friday, which isn't really truly a Mass because there is no consecration that takes place on Good Friday, but the consecrated hosts that were consecrated on Maundy Thursday are then distributed to the faithful. Then, of course, there's the stripping of the altars, where everything's removed and antiphons and psalms are recited. These visual distinctions are there to show us that our Lord is entering fully into his passion. He is going to the Garden of Gethsemane. His arrest is about to happen. And from now until Saturday... Within the church, no lamps, no candles are lit, no bells are rung, even the holy water is removed, save for a little bit that is reserved for the blessing of the fire on Holy Saturday, or in the case of someone who is ill who needs a priest to come and bless them. The visual indications of our Lord's presence will not come back to the church until Easter, beginning with the Vigil Mass on Saturday evening. So how do we make this work for our family? Well, this year, my wife is going to take one or two of the older boys, and I'm going to stay home this evening, so they will go and attend the Holy Thursday Mass and the procession that happens afterwards and the adoration that goes on. I don't know how late they're going to stay, but they will stay for a little while, and I'll look after the other two little children that we have at home. Now, there is one other custom that I make sure that I do, and this happens whether I'm at home looking after children while my wife attends the Maundy Thursday, or if I attend the Maundy Thursday, I come home, and this is something that I do. I always make it a point that before I go to bed, usually my wife goes to bed, but I will sit down and I will watch the Passion of the Christ, usually by myself. I have a box of Kleenexes beside me because it's rough for me every single time, but without fail, I must do this before I go to bed. I can't really say that this is something that I look forward to doing, However, I know that my soul and my heart needs to do this as a husband and father. 
So tonight, after I put the children to bed, while my wife is attending the Maundy Thursday service with my other two children, I will most likely start The Passion of the Christ, and I should be able to finish it before they make it home from the service. Tomorrow, I will go and attend the Good Friday service. I might take one of my children with me who really wants to go and attend this service. And then we trade again for Holy Saturday, perhaps a Tenebrae service in the morning, or for the Easter Vigil, where we might take one or two of the children. And that's what we're going to attempt this year. I'm going to go to the Easter Vigil with at least one child, maybe two, and then we'll see how Sunday morning goes. I'd really like for us to all go together to Easter Sunday Mass, which is our typical you know, Sunday morning Mass. We all go to Mass together as a family. But I think I might be pushing it by taking two children to a vigil Mass that evening and then expecting them to go to Mass again on Sunday morning. They don't need to go to Mass, but it just feels nice to have all of us there for Easter Sunday. These discussions are really important because my wife and I understand that this is a season in our lives. It's not always going to be this way. It's going to change. So for this particular season where we have children that are young and they're, you know, some of them are very young and some of them are a little bit older, we want to be able to give them these beautiful customs and traditions of the Catholic Church. Think of it as if you are planting seeds, as if you are watering seeds, as if you are helping nourish and grow so that the souls of these little ones may be able to bear fruit that is pleasing to Almighty God. So on Good Friday, whoever stays home and does not attend the Good Friday service, they will do the Stations of the Cross, and we have a little Stations of the Cross that we do, where I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I have a little tray that has a spot for 14 candles, and as we go through each station, we extinguish the candles, and the little ones have these little tangible items that they can place down for each of the stations to indicate that they're following along. But there is no music in the household, and specifically from about 2.30 to 3.30, there is quiet. We make it a point to have no conversation or we minimize the conversation as much as we can to let them know that this is a solemn and somber time. For our Lord is hanging on the cross and he is about to give up his life for our sake. After that, we prepare for our evening meal which usually consists of some type of fish that evening, and it's not elaborate, it's not complicated. It's a simple meal. Now, typically, for our bedtime prayer, we will begin the Divine Mercy Novena, which, again, can be made at any time, but it is usually made at the beginning of Good Friday in preparation for the Feast of His Mercy, and that should be celebrated on the first Sunday after Easter. Which finally brings us to Holy Saturday, which is my favorite day of the entire year. Without fail, I will wake up on Holy Saturday, and everything for me is different. I will begin the day by reading this remarkable ancient homily, whom many scholars believe to be composed by Bishop Melito of Sardis, who died in around 180 AD. They believe it was written by him because it's similar to his renowned homily on the Passover. In the Apostles' Creed, it is professed that Christ descended into hell after dying on the cross. This homily tells the story of Christ's triumphal descent through a dramatic rendering of Christ's appearance in the place of the dead, where he encounters Adam and Eve 
and all of the faithful were waiting for deliverance, who were waiting for the Messiah. The homily is full of paradox. The Son of God has died in the flesh and now sleeps in the tomb, but the one who is asleep enters the realm of the dead in order to wake the dead from sleep and lead them up to the dwelling place of God. See, Holy Saturday is not just a day where we wait quietly and mournfully with Christ in the tomb. We also recognize that on this day, Christ also descended to the place of the dead and rescued all the faithful souls who from the beginning of time were waiting for him, bringing them into the full glory of his Father's kingdom. Reflecting on this homily can help us focus on what is divine reality. This is what is taking place, and I'm not going to ruin it by reading the homily right now. I'm going to record it, and I'm going to have it auto-release on Saturday morning for all of you so you can listen to it. It is a great effort to record this homily because I cannot help but tear up when I read this. So family customs for Holy Saturday. It's a preparation day. We're getting our house ready for the coming of our Lord. My wife made this beautiful Alleluia banner, which we hang on our mantle in front of the fireplace. There is a tradition of burying this Alleluia at Septuagesima only for it to break out of the tomb and to be draped over our mantelpiece for Easter. So my wife usually hides the Alleluia in a drawer. It's buried in a drawer under everything. And we begin to pull all of these things out as we get ready for Easter Sunday. My wife and I begin to prepare Easter baskets. Visually, one of the best ways to do this at mealtimes is to prepare a very specific dish. Now, I actually don't know if anybody else does this, but several years ago, I found a video recipe on YouTube from Gordon Ramsay called Salt Encrusted Sea Bream. I'll put a link to the video. And what he did was he took a whole fish and he laid it on a tray that he was going to bake this fish. And he stuffed it and he you know, beautiful herbs and, and various spices on the fish. But then he got a ton, and I'm talking about a lot, of salt. And he uses a water and egg mixture with the salt, and he makes, and he, and he massages it through the salt, and the salt has this snow consistency where you can begin to pack it down, and he covers this entire fish in the salt. And in essence, what he's doing is he's building a tomb, and he's closing this fish in and then you bake it. What happens is that egg and water and salt mixture takes the salt and it turns it into something that's as hard as rock. When it comes out, it steams the fish inside of the salt tomb, and when it comes out, it's rock hard. Like, you need sometimes a hammer to break through this salt crust that you've built. So Holy Saturday dinner what we are doing is we are breaking open the tomb so that we can have this meal of fish. And let me tell you, the fish being steamed in this salt tomb, it isn't salty. It is tender, it is soft, it is flavorful, and it has all of the aromas that are captured from the spices within. It's infused in that fish. We don't have access to sea bream, so often I'll just use a local fish, and we can just get any cheap sort of salt and we use that to build a tomb. And it's a lot of fun to have your kids help you with this because you can even take the outer layer of the salt and you can build a pattern in it like we do fish scales. 
It's really fun. And then the kids love to break open the tomb and to peel back the salt and to reveal this magnificent meal inside of this tomb that we've built. In anticipation of Easter Sunday, it paints this beautiful imagery in the hearts and minds of all who witness it, Christ breaking out of the tomb. Now, some years, my wife and I will do Lenten bedtime books. This particular year, we decided to forego Lenten bedtime books. We decided that we would do Easter bedtime books. And so we begin to gather all of the books, and we start by reading these stories and reading scripture passages of our Lord rising on Easter Sunday. If at some point in the future I can convince my wife to come on one of these podcasts with me, I would love to go through maybe not all of the books, but at least a handful of books that we just cherish and love, that our children cherish and love, so that you'll have a few examples. Or I might just put a book list together one day and just throw it up on our website. I don't believe that I could do the Easter Vigil service justice with my words. There's far too much to describe. There are too many beautiful things going on. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I could do an entire episode on the Easter Vigil itself, and unfortunately, I just don't have the time to do it today. I will say that in my opinion, it is the epitome of what a liturgical feast is all about within the life of the Catholic Church. If you have never been, do yourself the favor of going, and it will transform the way that you view the liturgy with its beauty, with its smells, with its sounds, with people being brought into the church. It is something ancient and new. It is timeless and my favorite liturgical celebration of the entire year. And finally, we come to Easter Sunday. The most notable thing that we do, of course, is go to Mass in the morning, and we have a family lunch or a family dinner, we take photographs, and we always do some kind of Easter egg hunt with our children. If the weather is good, we'll do it outside. If the weather isn't so good, we'll do it inside. And usually for the older children, we'll have a type of scavenger hunt attached to that with scripture passages. So they have to follow clues and move through various parts of the house to be able to get to the final clue where there is a prize waiting for them. We do our very best to make the entire house full of color, full of music, full of just visual stimulating things, not to an excess, but to just show the joy that we feel inside of our hearts. We want to radiate that out to the world so that all who come and visit with us will know that Christ is risen from the dead, that death has lost its sting, that hell has no victory for those who call Christ their king. So there you have it. I want to say thank you to you for journeying with me through Lent. I want to pray for all of you and your family members, and I want to wrap up this episode by also praying especially for our patrons, without whom I would not be able to continue to bring you these episodes. So please join me now in praying for all of them, for their family members, and for their intentions. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater noster, qui es in celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationum, sed libera nos a malo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, 
Benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Iesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicuterat in principio et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So, until our next episode, I want to wish all of you a blessed Triduum, a very happy Easter. May God love all of you, and Our Lady keep you.